0: Coming up on Tech Nation, you get some insight into the inventors and entrepreneurs who come to CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. They range from large global tech companies to engineers and ordinary individuals from all over the world. The most recognizable to you will be Chris Young, the CEO of McAfee. But they all have something in common. They're all passionate about what they're doing and they made the long journey to CES in Las Vegas. All this, coming up on this week's Tech Nation.
1: Let's take five with Moira Gunn. This is 5 Minutes. In
0: 2002, U.S. Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld made famous the term unknown unknowns. He started it by saying, there are things we know we know. Now that's easy enough to follow. We know when we know something. He called these the known knowns. From there, Rumsfeld also explained that there are some things we do not know. We know we don't know them, so this category, in his view, were the known unknowns. But his killer category was this one. The ones we don't know, we don't know. These are the famous unknown unknowns, to which he added... And if one looks throughout the history of our country and other free countries, it is the latter category that tend to be the difficult ones. While he didn't know it, Donald Rumsfeld had summed up the long history of science. Scientists take what they know and try to imagine what is unknown about it, and their work is making that knowable. These are generally what Rumsfeld would call the known unknowns, like knowing that light travels mighty fast, but not knowing exactly how fast. For centuries, starting with Galileo and Beekman, scientists have tried to measure the speed of light, some more successfully than others, and often with new and innovative methods. Still, everyone agreed that light waves travel. That was a known what was unknown was how fast. Yet science also deals with the unknown unknowns. And that, perhaps, is the most fun science of all. Take electrons. They weren't even discovered until 1897. And every electronic product within your reach, from your phone to your TV to your computer to the sensors in your car, all work because we understand electrons. They're the basis for electronics. Electrons, electronics, get it? But before J.J. Thompson could actually peg the electron, scientists and engineers perceived aspects of the phenomenon. And ultimately, with its understanding, they were able to harness it into the technology we would be hard-pressed to do without today. So science doesn't just try to measure the dimensions of what it knows it doesn't know. It's also looking for new unknowns everywhere, for new insights that would make no sense to earlier generations of scientists. Isaac Newton might have a hard time jumping into a conversation about leptons and quarks, but he would no doubt enjoy quickly catching up on several hundred years of scientific breakthroughs. The truth is, scientists love unknown unknowns, just as scientists have a reputation for never giving a definitive answer, driving non-scientists to distraction. The moment they discover something new, the moment they know something previously unknown, they speed ahead. How does it apply elsewhere? Where has the scientific frontier moved to? And what are all the new unknowns? It's interesting to think about science in company with the ruminations of Donald Rumsfeld. When you think about it, it's the nature of life. Even Silicon Valley, with its deep respect for the lessons of failure, also has a deep respect for the tenuousness of success. Even the most media-trumpeted achievement might have been close to a disaster, and nobody knew it. The unknown unknowns just didn't happen to rear their heads, and if they had that success might well have been a failure. Knowing everything, accounting for everything, controlling everything is an illusion, but an illusion that man lives with on a day-to-day basis. The unknown unknowns are out there, and we all know it. I'm Moira Gunn. This is 5 Minutes. Today on Tech Nation, we get a glimpse into the full experience of CES, the consumer electronics show in Las Vegas. But who comes to CES? Well, it's anyone who has anything to do with the global technology industry. That's either tech itself, or any industry for that matter. I mean, what industry doesn't have technology as an essential driver? And so the people who attend, well over 100,000, they come from 150 countries, from Fortune 500 executives to individuals who develop a prototype in the garage, from manufacturers and retailers to app developers and content producers, from whole market sectors such as professional sports and the entertainment industry. There are even national and state government representatives, And as you would expect, there are venture capitalists looking to fund the next great thing. And the financial analysts are there, trying to project future sales of products that don't even exist yet. And that, of course, all depends on what the consumers will actually buy once the products get into the marketplace. Fickle those consumers. You can't make them do anything. But today we're going to focus on the people who make it happen, starting with the CEO of a recognizable global company, then a person from Holland who got an idea he just couldn't shake, to a Florida retiree that simply wanted to save lives that were being lost, to a Canadian engineer who realized that he no longer has to build hardware products anymore. He can license out his software and be inside everyone else's. First up, Chris Young, the CEO of McAfee. Anybody who's ever turned on a computer has at some point seen something from McAfee. Give us the history of McAfee, how we came to today.
2: So McAfee was uh, founded back in the 1980s as an independent cybersecurity company. So we're certainly one of the oldest uh, out there. We uh, went through a stint, however, uh, starting in 2011, where we were effectively the security division of Intel. Then we officially became Intel Security. Uh, And then just last year, April of 2017, to be exact, um, we spun McAfee out of Intel to become, uh, yet again, a standalone cybersecurity company, um, privately held. We have a, a private equity sponsor in TPG, which is our controlling shareholder, and Intel is now still uh, a large shareholder at 49 percent.
0: McAfee is such a distinctive brand. A lot of people didn't even know that all happened.
2: What's 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 changed even more, Maura, is it? cybersecurity is becoming even more important. Like, that's the thing that, that I think a lot of people miss is, um, yes, we're well-known, but You know, cybersecurity, whether it's for the consumer or whether it's for corporations, governments, it's just become one of the most important things people care about. And I think that's one of the reasons why um, we've endured as long as we have and we've been through different iterations, um, largely because cybersecurity itself as a discipline has gone from something that very few people really even knew about to something now that's top of mind for – the president of, of our country, CEOs, boards of, of very large organizations. Our country,
0: period. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. You talk about a culture of security. Tell us what you mean by that.
2: So, it's something that I talk about frequently with uh, mostly non cybersecurity people. Those of us who are in the industry, many people have been in it, they kind of dedicate their careers to this mission of cybersecurity. But what I often advocate uh, for most organizations, again, whether you're a company or a government, is that you have to start to really think about how you make cybersecurity a core part of your culture, just like you would anything else. You know, a lot of times people talk about integrity or agility or innovation, collaboration. Those are all things that if you read the badge of someone's, you know, sort of corporate values, you would see those, those words. I often talk about why isn't cybersecurity on that on that list, it should be, because you need each and every one of uh, your employees of your organization. If you're the if you're the owner, or if you're an employee yourself, um, you've got to be part of solving the cybersecurity problem. And the only way you kind of really, I, I think, move from sort of security being something that you do to security being core to what you do. Is really by making sure security is is a core tenet of of your culture, and that's what I mean when I talk about a culture of security.
0: Well, we have so much more now than desktops and laptops. We have all of these devices. Where is McAfee, for instance, in the mobile phone space? We all walk around with those constantly.
2: While we're well known for our you know software that goes on PCs and 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 those kinds of devices. We've really expanded our offerings over the last several years. We're now a very uh, large footprint on mobile phones. We have over 300 million users just on mobile devices alone. Um, We have a a very large partnership with Samsung as an example of that. So we're extensively used on the Samsung platforms, um, Android devices we are now starting to ship, for example, on televisions uh, as a, you know, we, we all, a lot of us are buying smart TVs these days that have apl- applications and you can browse the internet. And so is anything that can connect to the internet needs security. And Any,
0: anything that's called smart needs Anything McAfee. that's called
2: smart needs McAfee. I like that. I like that. I couldn't have you said it better it. myself. You
0: can have it.
2: <laughs> so we're, you know, we're on a variety of these different devices and, you know, we really believe that the world is moving to this model that's pretty much all about any application on any device connecting to the cloud. And 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 that's what McAfee's focused on protecting. And that includes tablets. That would include tablets. Um, a, a year ago, we announced a product called uh, our Secure Home Platform. And, you know, today, that secure home platform. You know, we work with with a variety of partners who build routers for the home. Uh, D-Link is a, a partner we just you know we just uh, uh, started working with, and uh, we've got a really cool uh, uh, offering now. Uh, in addition to that router, um, where you can use Alexa to control it. When we initially brought it to market. We have a great app, you know, on your iPhone or on your Android device. You can, you know, you can see what devices are on your network. You can set your security parameters on your network, so you can block traffic. You can control devices. You can, you know, you can make sure your kids do their homework at eight o'clock by shutting off their their access to the internet. Um, you could do all that through an app. Now you can do it with your voice and use Alexa as a, as a way to control it. Um, it's a really cool uh, way of really kind of integrating security, back to the culture of security, by the way, where even in your own home, you could start to integrate security into the way that you interact with your technical devices.
0: You mentioned the cloud. So many of us are using things that we, we're we either deliberately going out to the cloud, store this on the cloud, or you're using software service, for instance, on the cloud. Uh, an example for many people would be like, TurboTax, everything's up on the cloud. Is there security a separate security for the cloud?
2: Cloud security is becoming one of the fastest growing um subsegments of the broader cybersecurity market. For that reason you just suggest is most of our traditional cybersecurity tools were built for a world where, you know, either you put software on your PC or a corporation bought you know, appliances and devices, and they built this network, and they try to protect everything inside of it by keeping bad things out, to put it very simply. The cloud isn't is already outside of your organization and t- and today, increasingly, we're all on devices. they could be on any network at any given point in time accessing these software as a service based applications. So uh, it's what's interesting about your question is, just at the very end of last year, we announced uh, our first acquisition as an independent company, and we were we just closed that acquisition uh, last week. It's a company called Sky High Networks. What Sky High Networks it does is called a cloud access security broker. Now, Sky High and now McAfee integrates directly with um, software as a service applications or even on your own custom-developed applications really on the back end so that That We can monitor behavior, we can protect information, um, and we can provide visibility and controls for those applications that don't sit inside a company's network any longer. But you still need the visibility, you still need the control, you still need the protection.
0: What I'm really getting here is that the picture of of security is essential throughout everything we do in technology and everything we do with information –
2: Security needs to be end-to-end. It needs to be thought of from um, everything you do in your home all the way through what you do at your work. One thing we did that I, I'm very proud of when we spun McAfee out and we launched ourselves as an independent company is we we wrote something called the McAfee Pledge. And everybody in the company signs this pledge. So all 7,500 of us around the world have signed this pledge. We have walls and offices around the world. And it, it's... It's a commitment that we have to keeping people safe, um, and it talks about protecting people from cyber attacks. You know, from your home to your work and every place in between, and and that's really what cybersecurity has become. It's just it's an it's it's a threat. Unfortunately, you know, the the, the attacker is a threat to us in any part of our our lives, um, and we have to think about it that way. But. The flip side of that is, as you point out, there's security now that's available and being implemented across the spectrum from what we do in our homes, what we do on our devices, um, through where we go to school, through our workplace, our community institutions, and the like, our government. and And I think that there's I think there's a lot of an answer. And part of that, if I bring it back to that culture of security, um, there's tools. There's people like those of us who work at McAfee, dedicated to this problem. Um, but everybody has a role, and that's where the culture of security comes in. everybody It's kind of like that See Something, Say Something campaign in New York um, used to try to, to fight against terrorist attacks. It's the same thing. Like Everybody has a role. If you see something, say something. Get the people involved who can help you um, understand whether or not something has is, is gone wrong from a cybersecurity perspective.
0: Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Please come back. See us anytime.
2: I'd love to. Thanks very much, Mara. I appreciate it.
0: Chris Young is the CEO of McAfee. More information is available at McAfee.com. That's M-C-A-F-E-E, McAfee.com. You're listening to Tech Nation. Sometimes you want to turn down a perfectly acceptable interview guest just because you can't pronounce his or her name. My trepidation was on high alert with our next guest, We'll start our interview with a Dutch inventor teaching me how to pronounce his name. I'm speaking with Short Pistra.
3: Yeah, that's right. Pistra. Yeah. Pistra.
0: Perfect. Founder and CEO of Rotor, R-O-A-D-E-R, on the web at Roder.com. Well, the story of Roder starts back with the meteorite that exploded over Russia in February 2013, it was a serious event. It injured over a thousand people. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, well, I, I saw videos of this event, which which only took uh, three to five seconds, all over the internet within a couple of hours. It was on Facebook, on CNN. It was everywhere. So I just wondered, how is it possible that of such an event that okay, that occurred uh, spontaneously? And it, it never occurs. You cannot prepare for that. You cannot set cameras to, to record that. So, um, uh, so I investigated it. And all the footage that came out came from car cameras, dash cams, as they call them. So in Russia, people tend to have a dash cam. Why they have it, I don't know. I think for insurance reasons or, yeah, it's just messy traffic maybe. So that's why they all have dash cams. So um, I'm in electronics for all my life since, since my end of uh, university. So I, I'm just interested in this technology. So I was also inspired because um, this meteorite that took uh, three to five seconds was, was, was captured. And we see those spontaneous events every day in our lives. So how can we make technology that record those, uh, those things that happen around us just like that? We all have cameras in our pockets. Everyone in the world has a camera. But somehow we miss a lot of, a lot of events. That old, so, I
0: wish I had a camera. Yeah, that, a I wish I had a that. video
3: of that. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the inspiration. So I started investigating what kind of technology we should use for that. So it took a couple of years because technology wasn't ready in 2013. So it took us some years just to, to explore what, what kind of uh, chipsets, sensors we could use. So um, a couple of years later... Uh, because such an idea st- keeps sticks in your mind but you cannot work on it immediately so um, I met uh, my uh, now co-founder and partner Joost Joost Godet he has been in electronics also and he's a product designer he lived in the Bay Area for 15 years so he, he ran uh, he knew
0: Silicon uh, Valley
3: yeah he does he, he knows everyone there so, but I, I met him. He went back to Holland, lives in Holland now. So I met him and uh, I explained my idea to him. And, uh, and I, he said, Oh, yeah, that's great. I, I, I think I can work with you. At least I asked him. So he said, yeah, I will work with you. So together we have uh, developed this technology. And this technology is is basically a camera. And we have now a wearable version that you wear around your neck. With it's a, just
0: a uh, little square white box. Yeah, it's with a square a white box. Circle in the middle. If
3: you yeah, know. it's an it's a, it's a LED circle that is like breathing with you. And as soon as you see something that you would like to capture, uh, you're already too late because you, you cannot get your phone out of your pocket and start the app. But so you press the button... And it goes back 10 seconds in time so that the moment that you want to capture already occurred, but we go back in time. So we call it a time machine camera. So it goes back in time, takes a clip, starts minus 10 seconds and continues this recording till 10 seconds after you've pressed it. So you have a clip of 20 seconds and this 20 seconds clip is automatically transferred to your phone. And why would like to do that? Because it's all about sharing right we we experience something like this so we would like to share it with your friends your family you post it on instagram facebook so this this is the aim of our product so we we are, we want to create a whole new experience of events that that never were recorded before because it was simply not possible to record and with this you can you can because you go back in time so we what cre- if it
0: goes longer than 20 seconds
3: well you can you can press the cam once more uh, the, the the Total cam is a button, so you just just tick on it and it will continue another 10 seconds, and even if that's not enough, tick it again, and it will make another recording of 10 seconds following up. So:
0: So you have a continuous uh, event, but it started with, you missed it. You missed it. but yeah. you got it.:
3: You got it. you go back. And it's really, if you use it, even now, and I'm used to using it because we, we have worked on the, on developing the technology for a long time. And it still amazes me that I get a recording of something that just happened before I realized I wanted to record it. So That's it's really new. inspiring. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's new. Now, uh, I see that you have, it's almost like a, a rubber or a plastic uh uh, Landyard or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. What is that? That has a purpose. Yeah, it? it has
3: a purpose. It's, it's primarily for wearing, of course, but we've made um, uh, a cable with, uh, with uh, two USB Type-C connectors so um, the, you can reverse them as well. You plug them into the block that is on top of the camera. It's a nice wooden block to give it a bit of an organic look. So, and you can wear it like that, but you can also use this cable just for charging. So you always have your charging lead with you. So you only have to bring your charger or plug it into your a MacBook or PC that has a, a USB Type-C connector. So it charges. You can, you can get all the footage from it um, like, a, like a, uh, yeah, a flash memory if, if you did not transfer it uh, automatically using Bluetooth.
0: Now, do you have to wear it around your neck?
3: Um, we, we think it's a, it's a good place because it, the best place would be on your head because your your eyes and your head is always following what you would like to see but um uh, we have we that's have That's the
0: best place for the picture. It's not the best yeah. place for making friends. <laughs> no, that's also something. But uh,
3: the other thing is because of of this product it records or it now it's not recording it's buffering up to 7 hours in time so you can actually use it all day. So we have quite a a powerful battery inside to to have enough energy for this buffer go, to to go on, so um, and that's impossible to make so light that you can wear it on your nose. But we we have designed a hat that you can you can put on and you can put the camera on the hat. Sort of but, like a
0: GoPro kind yeah, of yeah, it's like a top, GoPro kind of thing. In terms of positioning, you've just got a hat on. Yes, uh-huh.
3: right. Well, but yeah that 's a good comparison uh, but goPro is is exactly what we don 't want to create because a GoPro is recording all day and no, not all day because it will last for only a couple of hours it 's not enough battery power, but you create so much um, image, um, we want to only to focus on the last seconds, so we only focus on short clips for video, long video tends to be boring, right. It's all, how much, how often did you review, for example, the video of your own marriage? I've seen it once and it's in, it's somewhere in a cabinet and I never looked back to it. It's a very good memory, but video, long video is boring. So we want to go back to short videos, short periods of time to easily share. So I want to share those short moments. I just met somebody um, here at the show, and um, yeah, I had a really nice conversation. And I'm proud because it's a it's a celebrity. So I would like to share that with my friends. So yeah, that's uh, that's what it's about.
0: Did you really meet a celebrity, or are you just telling me that?
3: No, I really. I, Who I, was it? Well, it was this Shark Tank guy.
0: Oh, that's right. You're yeah. going to be on Shark Tank. Well, or are you going to try out? We will try. Yeah. So now tell us how that works. They, they came and said, why, why don't you try out for Shark Tank?
3: Well, we were at a breakfast meeting this morning. So, And when the breakfast, there was a panel and an interview. And, and this, uh, this person was in this interview. So when he, they came off stage, I went over to him and said, can I tell you something about my camera? And he looked at it. Well, I have no time. But uh, well, he looked at it. I said, it's a camera that records back in time. Well, he, he, he drew a face like, what's that? Why isn't it on Shark Tank? So I don't know. let you come over. Yeah,
0: and now you have a little wristband here. It says Shark yeah. Tank, so that yeah. means you you've been officially well, officially tagged to come in and try out.
3: Try out, yeah, that's what we'll do this afternoon. That's good. So, oh. but the the response we launched this product on Monday night on on a media event. It's called Pepcom, and uh, it was a, well, we were there with three people, and um, we have been explaining our story for more than three and a half hours nonstop. To media all from I mean, all three over and, the world. and a
0: half days.
3: Yeah now, yeah, now it's three and a half days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but this event was amazing, and it's very well received.
0: Well, great. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming in. Um, I'm disappointed to find out that I'm not the celebrity, but I guess I knew that.
3: Uh, yeah. You are. <laughs> no, oh, there it uh, goes. I'm, I'm making a clip now. There you and go. I, I have what you just said.
0: There you have all so, set on there. Yeah. And I also have to say that I saw a number of Dutch innovators there. And I saw like a bicycle made of, of wood. Yes. I saw, And I really like this little piece of wood on top of your uh, device. Uh, it's like how refreshing. Everything isn't plastic.
3: Uh, yesterday the guys that make those body cams those police cams came over to to us and said oh what are you doing well i said we we are creating the anti-body cam we want to focus on fun and nice so that's why we make it white instead of of black and that's why we use a piece of wood to give it a natural personal touch so yeah that's what we do
0: Short Pizstra is the founder and CEO of Rotor. More information is available at rotor.com. That's R-O-A-D-E-R, rotor.com. We'll be back with more inventor entrepreneurs after a break. of Tech Nation and Tech Nation Health are available at NPR One, iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast syndication outlets. Coming up in the second half of our show, more inventor entrepreneurs, one who wants to save lives, and one who wants to keep you safe. Stay with us. You're listening to Tech Nation. If you're alive and thinking, you can be an inventor and entrepreneur. No one proves that point better than Carol Stanninger, the president of Answer. She's based in Winter Haven and Clearwater, Florida. Welcome to Tech Nation.
4: I'm glad to be here.
0: Now, we're here at CES, and I met you in an area of all the young entrepreneurs and All of you know this technology, and they're all excited, and they're all running around. And I looked at you, and it's like, "Holy moly, you're an inventor!" Yes. Now you've never been an inventor before.
4: Nothing except like improving things, you know, little tweaks here and there, and make something easier to work with or simpler.
0: Right, but not invent a whole new product. And you're not an engineer. I'm not
4: an engineer. And you're 82 years old. And I'll be 83 tomorrow.
0: (gasps) And you'll be 83 by the time this
4: airs. This is
0: great. And yesterday they brought you out on stage as one of the young inventors. Yes.
4: As an inventor of uh, a woman inventor and entrepreneur and uh, And had a nice nice interview. And we were sitting
0: there going, here you are with 140,000 of your closest friends in Las Vegas, all with all the shiniest new technology, and here you are. Here
4: I am, thanks to them. (laughs) A lot of very talented, dedicated, compassionate people who worked on this, you know, for 16 months. Now, you had an idea. What was the idea? The idea was to prevent children dying in hot cars. And I wanted something that was passive, so you didn't have to... Switch it on. I wanted something automatic. I wanted something wireless, non contact. I didn't want a pressure plate or anything that you had to put the child in a specific place. And I wanted it to be able to protect older people, handicapped children, or special needs children, and pets who move all around the car. And that's that's where where my idea was was just to first detect them and then set off an alarm, so that passersby would know there was distress. Okay, so you had this idea. What happened next? I went to the. Florida Polytechnic Institute, which is a technical college uh, near Winter Haven. And I talked to one of the professors with the idea that it was be like Gatorade. We could have a, a partnership. They'd get a royalty. The product would get uh, developed and, and built, and we save some lives. And they thought, well, it was a good idea, but they didn't think it was the right thing for the college to do. Uh, for for their students to do the engineering. So I said, okay, it's a good idea. We'll just wait and see what happens. And then I saw the program about uh, CMS in Clearwater and Charles. And so I called them up and said, well, let's, told them what, I, what my idea was. And
0: that would be Charles Ferrer from the CMS World Group? That's correct. Up in Clearwater.
4: In Clearwater. And then you said, okay, I got to come up and see you. Okay, they invited me over, and they brought in all their engineers and design people, and they listened to the idea, and they thought it was it could be done. Well, what's
0: interesting to me is looking out there is almost everything I could find had to do with either strapping the person in or. They had to weigh so much or they – I mean, there was this, a set of parameters that you had to actively do. Right. You didn't want
4: that at I didn't all. want that. I wanted to be able to put the baby in the car or the pet. walk well, of course, take the pet with you. But if you didn't, if you forgot or were distracted, uh, it would set off an alarm. And it would set off an alarm that would have an SOS Morse code cadence. So that we would go like dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, 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 which would be unique to the product and not like any other uh, alarm system in cars, which is usually just the horn beeping and nobody pays attention to that anymore. But they will pay attention to Morse code because it their attention. And so CMS World Group, they, those folks all came in
0: together and they said, we don't quite know how to solve this.
4: Not right away we we knew what we wanted to do and and how we wanted to do it, but we were looking for the technology that would pro, you know provide the technology to do it and so Charles did a bunch of research one weekend and came up with a company in in uh, Scandinavia that makes the, makes a sensor a breathing sensor for military and police and he called the company and they he told them what we wanted to do. They became very interested and sent their engineers over to talk to us and see what we could do. And from there, it was a a partnership between that company and ours. And through the rest of the engineering, we we just made it work. (laughs) Well,
0: as always, hmm. things don't work quite so easily from the start. So you have this... Technology called sonar pulse radar, which I'm sure you never heard of before no. you
4: started this company. No, <laughs> no, but the engineers did. The engineers <laughs> they knew did. What it was, <laughs> and
0: you want to, you know, set this thing. If you if you're doing it as we say aftermarket, you want to be able to put it like where the light is in your car, mm-hmm. um, or you could position it where it can
4: see anything in your car. Um, and see well, isn't the right word because that implies a camera. He right. you know, didn't want a camera or anything like that. It it would sense a presence of a living being through respirations and breathing.
0: Now, device. it has to just be in the
4: car. It can't be too wide-angle. That was one of the things the engineers worked out from, from a 60-foot radius down to a 6-foot radius just inside the car, not outside the car at all. You can't have
0: this on all the time. You're not in your car all the time. And you turn the engine off, and you get out of the car, and you walk in the store, and you forget your, your animal,
4: or you just, you just forget whatever you're doing. Take us from there. What happens then? Okay. Is it, you've got the baby in the back seat, in the car seat. You get out of the car. There's a key fob that comes with a sensor. It's, as you walk away, when you get 15, 20 feet away, it clicks to warn you, you know, say, Hey, did you get the baby? And if it's ignored, it sends a signal back to the unit in the car, and it turns its telephone, scans the car, and if, somebody, if there's a living presence in the car, it start, starts setting off the alarms. If, it, if there's nothing there, you know, if you walk away with key fob, of course, there's nothing in the back seat. It doesn't do anything. It just sits there till you come back and put somebody in the back seat. But it's automatic. The driver doesn't have to, you know, switch it on or do a phone app or something, you know, to see if it's gonna work. So if you've
0: got the key fob and it and you walk away from the car, it's going to now
4: it's, it's gonna turn itself on. Exactly. And go and do its stuff thing after that.
0: Now, of course, then you go home at night and you 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 pick up your baby and you go in the house and you turn everything off. It can't still be activated.
4: It, no, but it turns itself off.
0: Ah, so See, it doesn't
4: run all the time. It only runs when it's activated by driving or leaving the car. Lots of people think up
0: inventions here and there, um, but was there any one thing in particular that finally got you? You know, motivated to go and do something about this—the
4: the, the repetition of the, the babies dying and pets dying in cars—just it's an it's an unnecessary thing, and somebody had to do it. You know, and I just started thinking about ways to do it. You know, it's just needed—you know—nobody wants to have a baby die in a car, no, Anybody certainly want, not, or, or be left in a transport van and in a schoolyard which has happened. Now, you've never started a company before. Uh, basically, no. I have, have had some rental properties that I managed and owned and bought and sold, but but nothing like this.
0: Nothing like this. So how do you like being president of a company?
4: <laughs> I, like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you, you get used to this, huh? Yeah, could, yeah. Well,
0: it sounds funny, you know, in the sense that most people just sit there and they go, well... This is an idea, but what am I going to do with it? They don't sit there and commit themselves and invest in it to make it happen. And I, I, just keep trying to get to the bottom of this. What made Carol do it? What made Carol actually get off her, you know, her her seat out of her seat and make this happen?
4: Well, when I went to CMS, they encouraged me, and it's the encouragement to go forward. Let's work this out. Let's do what we can. If it doesn't work, well. It won't It won't work. But if it does, we've succeeded.
0: And now you have a product. You can get it. Yeah. But you're also working on getting this inside cars. Right. So it automatically becomes an option. Right. We would like to
4: have a manu- manufacturer of car components, like, like lights and stuff like that, um, put it inside the car so that the power would come from the car battery. And there would be no uh, charging or anything. It would be all just, you know, like your dome lights and like your headlights and radios and things like that. You know, so just
0: like everyone here, it's like well, we've gotten the product to this point, and we have more to go. But we need to find partners. We need to find people who commit to it. And that's what you're doing here. Just like that's what we're doing here.
4: And. I think we've been pretty successful. <laughs> I think you have
0: too. I think you have too. Um, I had to laugh. Uh, I know you and another woman entrepreneur was were interviewed, and uh, the the journalist asked, uh, "Where do you see your product in five years? Uh, where do you see your product in five years?"
4: I do see it in in every car. I think in five years it will be uh, able to be in, installed for original cars. And so every, every car built worldwide would have the sensor, and, and it wouldn't be expensive. If you put it in every car, it wouldn't be expensive, but it would be life-saving. Carol,
0: people have to have said to you, you've lost your mind. What are you doing this? Why don't you just go home and have a good time? Why are you, why are you becoming a business person
4: of this sort at this point? Well, I, I'm a widow. And I looked at my retirement money, and I figured out I could never spend all the money in the, the years I've got left. So, and so it never bothered me that it's going to cost a lot of money because I still have some left over. <laughs> <laughs> and my children are supportive, and they said yes, you know, that they, they can take care of themselves. But it was just uh, just got me in the heart, you know. I just couldn't. This is what we have to do.
0: Yeah. Now, you're 82, and uh, Warren Buffett, of course, is 87.
4: Mm-hmm. So nobody ever says to him, why are you doing what you're doing? So yeah. uh, I guess that makes sense. Well, he's been a businessman all his life. Right. I mean, he's not doing anything different. I am. <laughs> That's for sure. Warren Buffett said not too recently that you're never too old to upset the market with a new product. And that was kind of inspiring, I uh,
0: that's it. <laughs> I think you're listening to Warren. I bet you he'll want to listen to you. <laughs> I'll, I'd like to talk to him. I think you will talk to anybody, Carol. I want to see what you're going to do next.
4: <laughs> Thanks for being on Tech Nation. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I hope the word gets
0: out and we save a lot of baby lives. Carol Stanninger is the CEO of ANSWER. That's A-N-C-E-R, ANSWER. More information can be found on saveourlovedones.com. You're listening to Tech Nation. You don't come to CES just once. If you've got a winner and the stars come into alignment, then you keep working and come back again the next year. Such is the case with Dr. Taj Manku, the co-founder and CEO of Cognitive Systems from Waterloo, Canada. Well, Taj, welcome back to Tech Nation.
5: It's great to be back.
0: You've just told me something that blew my mind. Most people have about 10 Wi-Fi-enabled devices in their home.
5: Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. So with these 10 devices, there's lots of Wi-Fi that's sort of sitting in the house, and you can sort of think of – these are sort of like light bulbs that are emitting. My
0: printer. I just thought of my printer. It's wireless.
5: Exactly. There's lots of stuff. And these things are all sort of illuminating your house, okay? And they're illuminating with – we use the data to do certain things. But essentially, they're like a light bulb, and they're sort of shining your house with this RF um, or this wireless signals. And essentially for us, we sort of use that to our advantage,
0: Now, remind us what Aura, A-U-R-A, version 1 was. We didn't call it version 1 when you were here. You just come out with it then. Remind us about that. And now, of course, we're going to move forward later to Aura version 2.
5: So Aura 1.0, that was our first product or our first entry into using Wi-Fi to basically determine motion inside a house. So in that particular case, we basically had two units, a hub and a sensor. You place them in the house, and it will detect the motion in a fairly large home. That was essentially our first product, and it was really around uh, the amount of motion you had in your house and if there's motion. So it had a lot of applications in security, and that was our first product that we had. Now we're into Aura 2.0, and Aura 2.0 is essentially a, a device um, that sort of scales a little bit bigger than the, our 1.0 device. So this one is actually using what we call mesh technology. So we have a bunch of units. The cost is substantially less than what we had for 1.0. And now you have not just uh, you know two units, you can have a multiple of units And with that multiple units, you can actually now say, where is the motion happening? Is it happening in the front door, uh, in the back? Is it happening upstairs, downstairs? So you can now get an essence of where this motion is. So not only do you get that there's motion in the house, but now you get context of motion. So you get to see that there is, like, for example, let's say you get a notification, you get a notification, hey, there's motion in the living room. So it'll give you context of that. And we've also, with the 2.0, we've enabled us to integrate with a number of other devices. So uh, now we also um, integrate it with uh, Google Home. So you can ask Google Home about certain things that uh, Aura is getting in terms of its data. You can say, hey, is Jesse home? And it will say, yes, Jesse was home at 2 o'clock. How does it know Jesse was home? Well, when we sort of associate... When we get everybody to associate with Aura, we um, sort of put members on the list. So you would put your, like, for example, me, I have my wife, I have myself, I have my son, I have my daughter as members, and they all have phones. So we do also use a little bit of the phone to know where, if the person's in the house or not in the house. And we can also ask questions like, hey, how much traffic, is there a lot of traffic in the the kitchen? It will tell you. And knowing the information about, you know, where people are sort of moving in the house, that also allows us to do other things and integrate other devices as well. And the way it sort of knows that you're a member, we're just basically using that person's phone because they're running an app, they're running the Aura app on there. And in the app, we have some background running where that person is, just sort of knowing is that person near the house or not near the house. So if the person moves away from the house, it enables the Aura to start, hey, let's start looking around and see, make sure that there's no motion. And if it does see motion, it'll send a notification. But if you walk into the house and you have your phone, it'll know, hey, that person is now at home because it does what we call geofencing and says it won't send a notification because it knows it's you, right? Right. So if
0: another person comes in the house, even if they don't have a phone, they'll know that it's not one of the members of the home. Exactly.
5: Exactly. Because right? he hasn't been authorized with this, the ability to disarm the system.
0: Now, you're not just saying, oh, well, that's interesting. You could be in the front door. It could be in the living room. It could be in the kitchen. The truth is, is you're building scenes. You're using some artificial intelligence here to say, what else might we know about the motion or lack thereof that's going on in the house? Tell us about that.
5: When we sort of know about the location, we can add this concept of scene. So simple scene is I can say something like, hey, I just want to know if there's motion at the front door. I don't really care if it's happening upstairs because I might be going to bed and, yeah, there's going to be motion upstairs. So I just want to know if there's something happening near the entrance or maybe the back door. Something vulnerable. Yeah, something. So then you can set that scene. We call it night scene." And you'll only get notifications if they if it sees something happening at the entrance or the back, depending on how you have it set up. And then we also have a scene, what we call the guardian scene. And the guardian scene is really used uh, if you want to sort of monitor. You have maybe elderly parents. And you want to sort of make sure that, hey, there's movement happening at a particular time. So you set up that scene. Uh, you place the units in their house. Uh, and the great thing, there's no cameras. So they're not getting concerned about this. And then it'll tell you, hey, there isn't being motion in the last while and it would send you a notification and then you can sort of take action on it, right? So these are the types of scenes we have and we also have the normal scene like the away scene. So if you're out of the house, um, it'll send you a notification if it starts seeing motion inside the house and it'll give you context of that motion. It'll say, hey, there's motion at the front door or there's motion in the the family room or wherever. So we sort of taken some of the aspects sort of broke them up into subsets and provided that service right into the application for the for the user. What if you have a dog? Yeah, so we have also a scene in there which we call pet. And what we are doing, because we have a lot of um, stuff where we can learn a little bit about your your house. And if you put it on pet scene, we can sort of learn about your pet and then being able to uh, distinguish in a better way between uh, human motion and pet motion. And it sort of learns it, and you're the one that enables it to happen. You can set it up, just say, okay, I'm, I'm away, my dog's home, and then it'll start learning it, and then eventually, once it starts learning, it gets better and better and better.
0: Now, I know you have it at your home, but I understand you also have it at your parents' home.
5: Yeah, so I actually use it to monitor my parents. My parents are elderly, and, uh, you know, I, I just like to see that they're getting up and they're, you know, they're going to bed. And uh, one event, I I, I had an issue where I noticed my somebody was waking up and it was my mom at about 4 a.m. And I started noting this consistently happening for so many days. So then I phoned my mom and said, hey, mom, why are you waking up so early? Aren't you sleeping? And she says, well, I have a hard time sleeping because I hear this noise in the background. I guess my ears are buzzing. And I said, well, you know, you should go to the doctor. But I also recall somebody else having a problem like this where they had to buy a unit to bring some background noise, and it sort of helped them. So I, I basically bought one for her, and it actually helped. And it's sort of an interesting case where Aura actually told me about my mom without having the cameras. Because if I told my parents that I'm putting cameras in their in their, in their house, no, they would thanks. say, no way. We don't want it. <laughs> so – um And that is is an application that worked for me quite well. So much of what you've developed is
0: not connected to the hardware. Yes, I know you have products. So much of it is software. And behind the software is always algorithms. Software implements the instructions for how you figure out something. So as I understand it, you're taking that software and you're going beyond just the products you're making.
5: Yeah, so... It's a big thing for us in 2018. So, you know, we build our own hardware and we figured out last year uh, how to take our stuff and actually implement it on other people's hardware as just pure software. Uh, So if you have a Wi-Fi enabled device, you can put Aura inside as just a software so think of devices that are in your house. So you have like 10 Wi-Fi devices, you might have voice assistants, you might have printers, you may have uh, a desktop, which is stationary, uh, you may have cameras, and they may be all Wi-Fi based. So we're making a big push in 2018 to partnering up with Wi-Fi chip vendors. We've already made two announcements with two of them already. and We're going to have a bunch of other after. And we're basically taking our stuff and implementing it directly into existing products. So if there's existing camera that has Wi-Fi in it, now you just download or place our software or Aura software in it. Now that now has Aura software. And you can now use that with all the other devices if they're Aura enabled. And you don't have to buy any other piece of hardware. You're just reusing the hardware you already have. So our vision for 2018 is really to try to enable all the Wi-Fi devices uh, and partner with all the Wi-Fi chip vendors, so Aura is in every Wi-Fi device. And this is our vision, uh, and we're really working hard in 2018, setting up the right partnerships, working with OEMs and so forth to try to get our technology pervasively spread out through every device, right? So you can get out of the we build the hardware business. Exactly. Exactly. And because we know our value is really being in building the algorithms and also um, making sure that the algorithms work under many, many different conditions. And that's actually the hardest problem uh, because every house is different. Every every house has different sets of Wi-Fi. You know, the, some have, you know, certain different types of wall structures. And that is the hard problem. So, you know, a lot of um, devices today, they want to have the aspect of motion in them. And I take, for example, um, just even the voice assistant devices, right, the ones that you talk to. They like to know where you are because when you're talking, because now that people are buying two or three of them for their house, so they like to know which one you're talking to. So knowing where the motion is and tracking So sort of understanding it, they can use that to enhance their features. But they don't want to add all these sensors for the motion because now it's an extra cost. And that cost can cost up to, depending on how you do it, it can be very expensive. And there's a lot of quality assurance you have to do. But here, since that device already has the Wi-Fi chipset, you don't have to change anything. All you got to do is just download our software into your, and now you have it, and you have changed nothing. All you've done is just added software. So that is really our selling point to all of these vendors, and it's resonating incredibly well with them.
0: Okay, we still have the old problem. We left the teenagers at home. They're yes. throwing a wild party. Yes. So, have you solved that?
5: So in our, what we have, we have uh, something called uh, guardian mode, which is either there's no motion or tons of motion. So if you see no motion over some period of time, it'll notify. That's for the, you know, if you have elderly parents. But we also have the opposite where if you start seeing tons of motion and it's they're not supposed to be that much, it'll send you a notification. So let's say you're off, your teenager's at home, and then all of a sudden the motion in the house just goes dramatically up by some crazy amount. It'll send you a Hey, you know what? There's lots of motion happening in your house. And so you can sort of – You'll know. You'll know and you can sort of take action.
0: <laughs> You're going to ruin all – the teenage movie scenario from here on in may be over with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> okay, that's built right
5: you. into our, our, our product right no, now.
0: No additional charge. I yeah. might suggest to you that you could charge a lot of money no, for a sure particular feature. But it's, it's included. It's free. it's free. It's free. It's free. Taj, so great to see you. Uh, thanks for coming in.
5: Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Taj Manku is the co-founder and CEO of Cognitive Systems in Waterloo, Canada. More information is available at CognitiveSystems.com. We want to wish success to these and all the inventors and entrepreneurs who made their way to CES 2018 in Las Vegas. Each one has a story, and each story is important. It's all a piece of that great puzzle of technology, innovation, innovation and being human. For Tech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.
1: Tech Nation and its regular segment Biotechnation, Nation are produced at the studios of KQED FM in San Francisco. Executive producer is Matt Gardner. The director of technical production is Monty Carlos. And audio engineers include Howard Gelman, Seal Muller, and Larry Upton. Our theme music was composed by Ann Noctreeb-Zessiger and Robert Powell, with title creation provided by NameLab Incorporated of San Francisco. Program information and internet audio is available on the web at TechNation.com. TechNation and BiotechNation are productions of TechNation Media. I'm Paul Landcor.